And now I get the whole Jeffy thing. Huh. Blair and Barker on 590-360, the Sportsnet Radio Network. Wherever you get your favorite podcast. No Blue Jays baseball tonight. Boo. They uh, have the day off, which coupled with yesterday's rain out means they're in a two-game winning streak. Uh, they'll open a series against the Cleveland Guardians tomorrow at the Rogers Center. I've got tickets to give away to see the Los Angeles Angels on August 26th. We're also taking your calls on your confidence level with the Toronto Blue Jays making the playoffs 1-10. to 10. The numbers are 416-870-0590, star 591, triple eight triple six zero five ninety. 590-590 is the Don't ride line. the fence like Jeff. One, one is they got no chances. Six and a half. One Don't is they have no chance of making it. Ten is absolute one, certainty they're going to make it. One, they have no chance. Five, they're, yeah, you know, if they do this and that, I could well, see six it. And a half Ten is, is a slam dunk. Yeah, Don't it, say six and a half. Six and a half six is, you know, half. if they do this and that. Don't and be that. on top of the fence. Anyhow. Pick a side, buddy. Five is exactly in the it middle of the fence. No, it's not. Well, yeah, not six and a half. You said six and a half. Six and a half is more one side towards ten than five is. Yeah, but it's not really picking it. It's. I well, mean, yeah, you, it you is. either say I have no. Oh, they have no nonsense. chance. That's nonsense. Uh, we're giving you a chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 590-590. Yesterday, we asked you which Oriole was the MVP of the 1983 World Series. It was Rick Dempsey. And uh, no, I would not have gotten that. Congratulations if you did. Today's question is to win tickets again for August 26th, Jays and Angels. Which player in the 2005 Angels played 140 games and led the team in home runs and batting average? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Again, which player on the 2005 Angels played 140 games, led the Angels in home runs and batting average? If you have the correct answer, you will qualify to win tickets to see the Jays and Angels on August 26th, where you might get a chance to see Shohei Otani or Mike Trout, although chances are pretty good one of them will be hurt because that's... I hope not. You want to see the best. Opatani pitches and hits so we can see it. I watched, uh, I've been watching the captain ESPN's series. Is it good? I haven't watched it. I mean, it's it's a Digby segment. Let's put it this way. It's produced by his agent. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it is interesting only in that, in that Derek Jeter made a career out of really not having an opinion in the press about things, and I'm, I mean that in a good way. He figured way. out how to do it. He figured out he how to did. do it. And, good for uh, him. And you start, he opens up about things like his relationship with A-Rod. It, it's very Jeter-esque. Uh, the one thing that does come through is, and, and it's no surprise to guys like Jack Curry who've covered Jeter and written a book and know the Jeter family, he has a really, he has a pretty pronounced sense of humor, um, which, which comes through in a couple of instances. And, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it, and the reason I brought that up is one of the things that, that kind of resonated with me was how important it was for him to play every day. And I, I used to make that point with people that even when Derek Jeter was scuffling or even when he was in the twilight of his career, Hey, if you were a Yankees fan and you bought a ticket to go to the game, you were going to see Derek Jeter. Now, Derek Jeter may go over four and make a mistake, but if that was your one trip, to the ballpark as a Yankees fan, you didn't care because you got to see Derek Jeter. And I was thinking of that with Bo Bichette because it's 
Kind of one of the things Bo Bichette says as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, to me, 162 is an important number. I want to play 162 games because I want people to know if they go to the ballpark, I'm I'm there. I'm playing. And and it's it, it's it's an interesting look into into his mindset. Most people don't get the option. That's a very good point. They don't. That's I mean, a let's very not lie point. about it. Bo Bo is a but uni- also, unicorn when yeah. it comes to that. But also yeah. hear, hearing 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 Jeter talk about um, uh, those great Yankees teams, it, there, there's there's some insight into it. If you, if you, you know what it is, if you spend a lot of time around those teams or if you're a fan of those teams, it's interesting because he's a guy who's usually really guarded. Mm-hmm. And uh, he drops, he lets his guard down a little bit. And, um, I yeah, it's, uh, you get a little bit of insight into him. Uh, 416-870-0590, star 591 888 I asked you for your com- comfort level with the Blue Jays making the playoffs. Let's go to Eddie and Fort Erie. So, Eddie, 1 to 10, what's your confidence on, level that the Jays make the playoffs? Well, Justin, Kevin, first of all, thanks, thank you for taking my call as always. Uh, my confidence level is at a 5, and that's because mm. of the pitching, like, like, like starting pitching-wise, because – Let's say in the Cleveland series coming up tomorrow, if I have, let's say, Berrios, Gossman, and Manoa against Bieber, McKenzie, and Quantrill, I, then I have a chance to win at least maybe two out of three instead of having uh, Berrios go one game and then having two guys who you don't really trust mm-hmm. and have a complete mismatch against, and then you take your chance in the Baltimore series. But let's say if you go to, I don't care if it's like New York or Boston or whatever, if you have like Berrios, or Kikuchi and Gossman in that in the starting three for that series, then it's and if I can see a line from you, uh, Jeff, I should light a candle for that because it could go off the rails pretty quick. And you know, th- and there's one thing about Kikuchi that I want to say, which really got me thinking about his starts all year with the Blue Jays. I personally think, gentlemen, that he is pitching with fear, and the reason I say fear is because anytime that somebody, like an organization like the Mariners, gives up on you. Or if Charlie Montoya, who was the manager, would say something bad about you, that can get stuck in your head pretty like pretty quickly and be really hard for you to get out of it because when it's in your head, it's hard to get that out of your system. It really is. That's just me. Yeah. But but that's how I look at it. Eddie, thanks for the call. Yeah. Listen, the uh, look the Charlie Montoya's propensity to be a little too blunt about Yusei Kikuchi was something that was talked about and has been talked about. I, you know, I, I listen, I, those guys, those guys get more frustrated with Yusei Kikuchi than we do. Believe me, they do because they're living it. They're living it. Mm-hmm. And you know, if only the guy didn't work hard, if only there was some reason you could look at it and go, this go. guy's just a stiff but that's not the case. And it is remarkable how many times you talk to Danny Jansen about this. And, and I know Dan mentioned this. Talk to guys about his bullpen going into a start. And it's always, always off the charts good. The velo's there. The movement's there. Everything's there. And then the game starts. That's, so as frustrating as it is for us, it's got to be, it's got to be equally frustrating for the coaching staff. And, you know, I, I mean, I think Eddie's right. I just look at a guy that, that looks to me like he doesn't have 
he doesn't have a lot of he doesn't have a lot of confidence. Yeah, that's different than being scared. I think Eddie said he's he pitches with fear. I, I, that's impossible to to speak on. Like I, who knows what, what he's thinking during a game? I, I know. I can some, see, Sometimes he looks Kevin, like he's got the yips. I can see where people would think that. I, I guess. I, I mean, can those, see where those people are, would those, think he's that. A, he's a professional athlete at the highest level. I, those are those are strong words, and I and I'm I will choose not to go down that road. Uh, I, I just think when, when, for whatever reason, he has trouble translating, like you said, what he does in his bullpen to the game. I don't have any, I mean, I, don't, yep. I, I, uh, won't, speak, I won't speak on the other part. I, I just think, you know, it's not like they don't want him to throw his fastball all the time. You can yell and scream at a guy till you're blue in the face to say, throw your best pitch. Well, what if you can't throw it for strikes? Mike in Cambridge. What is up, Mike? You're on with Blair and Barker. Jeff and Kevin, I just want to say it's an honor to be on with you two. And Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Se- second only to being a caller behind Eddie from Fort Erie. So I, I want to get that in. Hey, I, I want to call. I got to take on Barks. I'm going to give him one of those, Kevin, I love you, but. Okay. Uh, I have followed uh, – I'm one of those nerd uh, Blue Jay fans who like to follow the box scores from the minors. And, and I was on Kirk early, and you know, because I think, what did they sign him for? Like a, a package of bubble gum or something. grand, I think, or some silly number. Not a lot. Exactly. Yeah. And, and anyway, all the guy did was hit. And I go, Jesus, I, who is this guy? i got to see this guy. And then I saw him. And, I mean, I, I played baseball nowhere near the level Kevin did, of course. Um I mean, to me, the guy's a hitting savant, and I hear Kevin always, any time he goes in a slump, oh, my gosh, I mean, look at that weight. I mean, he's 23 years old. I mean, maybe because, I don't know, I'm mid-50s. I, I remember, you know, Cecil Fielder and guys. I don't say that that weight might not become an issue, but catching two or three times a week at DHing, I don't get it, Kev. Like, what, you seem to have missed it. Lately, you've, you've kind of joined the bandwagon about how good a hitter he is. But when you talk about Velo, he is the last guy on this Blue Jay roster. You have to worry about catching up to a hundy, my friend. Okay, Mike. Well, I appreciate the call. But I, I, <laughs> there's so many ways I could go there. Like, I, I, I don't think that I come on here and yell and scream about his weight all the time. I do think there's a reason why they don't get to play him as much as they'd like to play him behind the plate because of his, you know, the way he looks and, and his weight, that's an issue. Like that is a thing that they want the offensive side more than they want the defensive side. Right? So the best way you do that is, is like Mike said, you catch him two times and then you DH him the rest of the time. There's a reason why they're doing that. I'm just not coming on here, making that up because I've had conversations with people that are actually going through processes like that. I've never come on this show and said he can't hit. Have you ever heard me say that? No. Have you ever said that, would that be I said that point. he can't hit or he can't catch up to velocity? I have said he's cheating to hit velocity in the dog days of August. I have said that. And I also said everybody goes through that. Everybody. That's why they're trying to give him a day off here, give him a day off there, DH him a day here, catch him a day here. Like they're trying to get him through that because they know that he matters offensively and they think the same thing that Mike thinks. So I think Mike is a little stretching what I've said. You have always said that your concern with him is wearing down behind the plate. And if you wear down behind the plate, that carries over that can carry over to your game offensively. So, and and that is, 
look, I, I, it's, just, it's not a good thing to be a heavy catcher. It's not. You know, you mentioned, uh, Mike mentioned Prince Fielder. He was not a catcher. He was the first baseman. And base the man. mental part of hitting in the middle of the order, being a catcher too, it's not the easiest thing for a young guy. And, and the, the other issue we have is the fact that, I say we, you know, him, him hitting third means it takes, and it takes a triple to score him from first or a well, I mean, or a well hit double. Uh, and that's not, it's not a bad thing, but it's the type of thing that can end up hurting you in the playoffs when you're going to face better pitching and you would think runs would be at a premium. And, and I don't, I, I fully believe that when the playoffs come around, he won't be hitting third. I think this is right now, this is John Schneider trying to, trying to put his best hitters in positions to succeed right now. I, I don't think this is how the lineup will look in that first wild card game by any stretch of the imagination. But, I, you know, I'm not, you, you defended yourself pretty well. And, and I'm with I you. I mean, that's I, a good educated call by Mike. Yeah, but I, 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 the, the only issue I have is, 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 is that weight behind home plate. And that's. He has gotten a lot better. I give it to him, but, the, but they have had to try and figure out ways to try and keep him fresh. I yeah. mean, that is a that is a thing, or he would be catching four times a week. So, yeah, it's – look, nobody argues that the bat-to-ball skills and being able to hit balls to all parts of the field, it's there. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. It's just the longevity of what he will give you. And I have been one of the guys that said that if you need to get something that would make your team better and you have to give up Kirky to get it, I'd be one of the guys that would have to realistically think about that. Yeah. And 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 that is that's not to say we that you don't value Alejandro Kirk. Far from it. It's that you value him to the point that you think you would get something of considerable value in, in return for I him. I was in spring and, training and, when Cleveland followed him around. Yeah, and all you need to do, you just look at this this team and well, this is the this is the discussion for the offseason. But they haven't been able to sign Teoscar Hernandez to a long-term deal. He's a year away from free agency. That is the point where most teams look at trading a player. We look at this team. This team, they have, they have told you by what they've tried to do for the last three years that they have too many right-handed hitters. They tried to sign Michael Brantley. All their pickups, what have they been? Left-handed bats. They tried to trade... For Jose Ramirez, a switch hitter, a, a great player, obviously. You're going to trade for him anytime you can. But the Jays and Ross Atkins said last year at his end-of-year news conference that one of the priorities for him was ensuring that the Jays weren't as easy to match up against in late innings as they are right now. Translation, more left-handed hitters of consequence, or at least hitters who profile differently than the guys they have right now. Give Kirky credit. He's hitting third for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. Good for him. Give him credit. But that is, uh, yeah, and, and he's, you know, and he's, he's been healthy all year. He has. So whatever they're doing is working. Whatever they're doing is working. No Jay question. in North York, you're on with Blair and Barker. Oh, hey, guys. Always a privilege to be on with you. So I'm going to uh, answer your question about the playoff seedings. Yeah, one to ten. One to ten. What's your confidence level in the Jays making the playoffs? It's pretty high. I'm going to give it a, a seven or an eight, but I'm going to, I'm going to defend that and tell okay. you where I think they'll end up. Because um, right now I see Seattle. They've got a jolt. The trade deadline really helped them out. They're feeling good. 
you see the way they're beating the Yankees. They're just on fire. So I think that the Mariners right now are a better team than the Jays. Can they make up that small, whatever it is, one or two games in the next 52? Of course they can. I see Tampa Bay, so many key injuries. Manuel Margot and Franco and Harold Ramirez and half their bullpen. A lot of those guys are coming back at some point this month, which to me makes them a better team than the Blue Jays, and they'll be able to make up that little stagger. I don't really see the Orioles or the White Sox you know, making it. And what I'm thinking is they're the third wild card. And to me, that's okay, because I would rather go to Minnesota and play three on the road than go to Tampa and play three on the road. Because I think between Seattle and Tampa, the winner of the AL Central is probably the third best team, which gives the Blue Jays the best opportunity to win. Um, Because I don't think they're going to finish with the number one wild card the way they're playing now and we know their pitching problems so my prediction is Jays are the third wild card they go to wherever they go to they probably lose and we try and rebuild for next season and and do better yeah uh jay thanks i mean i i can that's certainly a scenario i can see i my concern again is um cleveland and minnesota both have pretty weak schedules and one of those teams is going to win that division, I think. I just don't uh, – uh, the, the Chicago White Sox, yes, they're still in the – but I, the White Sox just can't get out of their own way. There's just – there's like calamity lurking around the corner with the White Sox, but they are still – they're still in the in, in the picture. I just don't think it's as clear-cut that the Jays make the playoffs as we may have thought two weeks ago. I think teams around them have gotten better. Teams around them are going to get better. Further to your point about uh, Jay, about about Tampa Bay getting healthy. Although I'm, I am really skeptical about what we will see from Wander Franco the rest of the year because that does seem to be a particularly problematic injury. Um, and that's that's why I think the Jays. You know, I, I think I think if I was the Jays, I would not get too comfortable in that first wild card spot because. I think everybody around them, almost everybody around them, has the potential to get better. And I don't see Bo and Vladdy kick in. Yeah, that's obviously, Bo especially, it, it, it's going to make the Jays better. But I do, I just, I do have concerns about, I do have concerns about the pitching. And I guess what I'm saying, Kevin, is I think maybe the Jays have less of a margin of error than other teams. And Baltimore is just a complete and total wild card. Well, Baltimore could lose 14 games in a row and we'd go, well, there you go. You know, glass slipper fell off. But they could go 10 and 4 because everything they've done so far suggests that they they they're they're capable of they're capable of doing it. And something David Sampson mentioned or Dan O'Dowd mentioned a couple of days ago too. This is the first time this Jays group has had pressure on them to win. You know, two years ago, hey, the, the pandemic and, you know, whatever happens, happens. They're the road warriors. And, and, and mm. last year, same thing, you know, road warriors. And, boy, it was, you know, what a great – they all hung in there and they finished a game out of the playoffs and they were in it to the last day and that's great. And then this year they show up and their Vegas likes them. Vegas likes them to go to the World Series or at least go to the ALCS. All of a sudden – and you had – and your general manager – I'm sorry, your club president came out at the end of the year and basically said, you know – we missed the playoffs by one game last year. That's not good enough. Next year, we need to figure out how to take that next step. 
I, I think for me anyway, the, the pressure thing is only applies in New York. In everywhere else, I don't think it really applies. Like the the twenty three year old doesn't feel pressure. Like it it is what it is. They're going to go out and try and do their job to try and get paid. That that's what it's about. But I, you're the man. I, I you're the guy, guy who's talked all year about expectations and wanting and, to carry and, tro- and wanting to carry wanting to carry trophies yeah, across one, the field and guy, all that. That's one guy. That's the shortstop, and you've seen him press expand and not be the boba shit that we thought he could be. That's one guy. You changed nobody, your tune. Nobody else said that. You've Who changed. else said that? Boba shit said that. You've changed. Expe- you've you've pre- been pressure, rolling that out all the time. I, I think they're one of the three playoff teams because of their lineup, the two starters that they have, and their infield defense. That's three good reasons right there. Are other teams, have they caught up to them? Absolutely. There's some teams that did some things at the trade deadline, like the Mariners, that could – Take over the number one spot. But if you're asking me, are they one of the three teams? I think absolutely. It's my opinion. Matt in London on the text line. Love the show, guys. It sounds like Kikuchi has to be asked to be sent down to the minors. Yes, he does. Is there a similar clause for him being sent to the bullpen? No, there isn't. We can't afford to have him start and just lose a game since we feel the need to play him. That is true. If we do send him to the bullpen, does this further knock his confidence down to a new low where he's even shakier in his next start? Would love to hear your takes, Matt from London. Matt, my take is this. If he goes to the bullpen, he's in the bullpen the rest of the year, you're not going to see him start. And if the Jays make the playoffs, he's not on the playoff roster. Like sending him to the bullpen is at, at this stage of the year, sending him to the bullpen is not something to correct whatever ails him. Sending him to the bullpen is basically see ya. Out of sight, out of mind. We're down nine to one. You're our guy. We're up nine to one. Mm, depends what the inning is, but it, this idea, and and that is one of the things. When you send him to the bullpen, he's there. He's not coming back. Yeah. Also, they already have their high leverage guys. He's not going to be one of them. Like it's not like he's going to go down there and all of a sudden he's going to pitch in the seventh inning with a one run lead. It's not going to do that. So it will be like you said. Probably. I'm just not sure they'll do that. Not not sure that that because of the of the, how they have to use their pen and how every, basically every one of those guys there's a reason why they're down there like they they have an actual reason to throw them I'm just not sure when you put him down there because of the way he looks when you would ever use him other than it being nine to one but and that's, hopefully that's not a ton of times no but but so what okay I mean I again so it's, what I it's either you pay him $12 million to sit in his ass and not hurt the team, or you pay him $12 million to come out and give you three innings and torch the bullpen. What do you want to do? I know what I want to do. I I say, I'll worry about next year and what we do with Kukuchi's contract next year. I just want him out of the way. Like just stick him over here. If you're all about winning, and you've got a guy who is negatively impacting your ability to win. I mean, if he was a position player, would you think if, if I was paying $12 million to a guy who was a shortstop and he was hitting 195 and making a ton of errors, you go, I have no problem putting him in the bench. So why is there a problem putting you, say, Kikuchi who, in dry dock? Who says, who says there's a problem? It's just a thing of your – when you put him in the pen, you're taking somebody else's spot. Oh, is the point. you're Trent Thornton's spot. Who cares? Trent Thornton, Trent Thornton actually plays a, a, some kind of a role there. You're, you're, like, like he's coming in when the, when the guy gives up, which was the guy that you're you, replacing. That's him fine. That's, somebody, that's fine. The only reason you're, somebody you're, else does the that. The only reason you're shoving him down there is because you're paying him $12 million. Well, of course. That's the only reason. Of course. There's, so I guess – I mean, I'm, I'm not starting him. 
I don't. I don't. Well, th- I don't know why you're. I don't know why you're arguing with me about the starting part of not, it. But nobody's arguing. Nobody's that arguing. But we're just. Starting. But we're just saying it's that you. It's the fact of putting him in the pen. What? What? What is the, again? It gets back to well, you're Kevin, just basically you, throwing. What him do down. you do with him? That's a great question. No, it isn't. What? What? You've got to make a decision. It's a. You've got to make a decision. He can do. You can do one of three things. One, you can fake an injury. Two. You can send him to the bullpen, or three, you run him out well, every I think fifth you gotta, day. Make uh, first, your call. Well, Tell first me what of all, it is. You got to see how Ross Stripling is. That that's the first thing you have to figure out is make sure he's okay and he can throw four innings, so you don't have to use him because now you have Mitch White. So you ask me, that's the first thing you have to figure out, and then after you figure that out, you can sort of drag it along where wow. you don't really have to do anything. Bob and Bowmanville, man, oh man, you're really skirting that issue. Why are you afraid to stick him in the bullpen? Yeah, I'm not sure he plays a role in either spot. Who my cares? Point. I don't want him to play a role. That's I don't want yeah. him to play a role. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't want him to play. I don't. I want him gone. I don't want him around the team. Well, if they thought that, he'd been gone already. Mm. I don't know about that. Yeah. Bob and Bowmanville, you're on with Blair and Barker. What's your confidence level, 1 to 10, in the Jays making the playoffs? Well, first I want to say you guys are fun and funny to listen to. you got great chemistry, and I love when you get each other going, which is even more entertaining. So good for you. Um, I would say um, I'm on the outside looking in here, but I would say Nate, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I think this was said earlier by you guys and some others. I think both Tampa and Baltimore just end up running out of gas is kind of the way I see it. You know, one thing I will say, though, Baltimore's in the central. You know they're tied for first, eh? (laughs) Yeah. Which is kind of interesting, right? (laughs) If you look at it. 58-52, I want to say. Yeah, Uh, well, you know, as we all all predicted, the Orioles would be... No, but <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. They're hey, the first. They're God, Bob's the first. dropping knowledge. God love him. No, you're, uh, you're right. Bob, you no. are right. No, you know, um, anyhow, yeah, you know, Guardians, Twins, I think, you know, obviously both make it. One wins, one's wildcard. I mean, I watched Mariners play my Yankees here the last three days. That's a damn good team right now. Oh, they're really good. Uh, they're top two. I mean, this Logan Gilbert kid's pretty darn good, right, as the number mm-hmm. two, I guess. And as the you know, as we all saw three, two, three weeks ago there, Jay's being in, uh, in Seattle, you know, firsthand, um, that's a pretty darn good bullpen, too. You know, if your number three guy maybe falters a little bit, they've got a real good bullpen to pick it up, right? So, um, yeah, I just kind of see that's kind of how it goes. And, uh, yeah, and I do my best not to keep my uh, cell phone in my uh, jersey pocket. To <laughs> you saw that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, appreciate the call. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, man. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, that was we were going to talk about that. Was it Rodolfo, the dude with the Pittsburgh Pirates? Well, thank goodness cell phone he, he, he popped slid out. head first. Yeah, because if he's not, he, I wonder how many was guys. I wonder how many guys have their cell phone on him. Zero. I would be willing. You think so? Zero. That's got to be like a heavy kangaroo court fine, right? I, That's I, actually got to be a club fine, wouldn't you think? You if would you're think the manager, so. you would think that would be a league fine. Have they fined him whatsoever? I don't know because I haven't looked into that, but that. Look, he just got called up, and he was—I he, guess—he was happy. He's probably taking selfies of himself. Look okay. at me—I'm on the field. And how awesome it is! And then he puts it in his back pocket because I'm sure he's using that. What's when he's the strangest up. thing? What's the strangest thing you had in your pocket when you played? Seeds. Oh come on, really? That's it? I thought there'd be something like, like exotic what? or something. Like I don't know, underwear or something like that, like the bull Durham type Jeffy. stuff or something like Jeffy. that. Jeffy. Bull Durham type stuff. I don't know. I just thought that there would be Bull something. Bull Durham puts, oh, you're talking about the, no, he was wearing that. Yeah, I know, but I thought. I'm not, not, his but back I, pocket. Well, I know that you wouldn't wear it, but I, I just wondered if. Uh, you know, maybe you know. maybe like something, if you get a hit one day because you had this in your back pocket, you yeah. do it again. 
Yeah. No, nah, I didn't get enough hits to worry about it, so. No. Yeah. All right. Okay. I just thought maybe it was something something in there. You're maybe disappointed a, a, in me. I don't know. Well, you I usually I got something a, good to say maybe about a, that. Maybe and... a gift certificate from Jimmy John's oh, or maybe yeah, a, maybe an old yeah, Jimmy John's have, napkin or something like have, that. Do they have Jimmy John's around the big league fields? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Jeff Francoeur is MLB's uh, – He's let me rephrase that. Jeff Francoeur is TBS's MLB analyst. He's also the Atlanta Braves analyst. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Jays' next game will be tomorrow night at the Rogers Center against the Cleveland Guardians. 707 first pitch. Three game series against the Guardians, then here come the Orioles. Odurfest. Is somebody texting you? No. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, they do all the time saying you're wrong and I'm right. But yeah, I know. That's fine. Well, that's you are the analyst. You're supposed to be right. I'm supposed to make the mistakes and you're supposed to correct me. That's the way it goes. Oh, it is. You're here for your uh. you're here for your knowledge. I, well, you were, you were yelling at me about a starting pitcher that we both agree on. Yeah, I that just, is true. That was I kind of silly, know, wasn't it? I just don't know what you do with him. I'm saying don't start him, but I don't know what you do with him. Like, I throwing him in, okay, throw him in the pen and do what? That's what I'm saying. I'm with you. Just don't don't start him again. I mean, maybe they could make but him a what coach. what are you doing? They've got I mean, enough coaches. Maybe they can make him a coach. could always use another one, I guess. Anyhow. Um, yeah, we spend way too much time in Yusei Kikuchi. We really do. Like I'm, it's starting to get to the point where I'm losing years of my life talking about him. So we'll move on. Uh, Jeff Francoeur is a T, an analyst with TBS, their MLB telecast. He's also the Braves analyst, and he joins us on Blair and Barker. Jeff, thanks so much for joining uh, Kevin and myself, I, I know that you got a chance to see the, uh, the Red Sox recently with, with the, uh, the Braves and the Red Sox. And I, I do want to talk about the Braves and the, and the National League East in particular, but look, you, you've been around for a while. What, what, what is, what's going on in Boston from the outside? What's your read having, ha- having just seen that team and, and, and how close are they to getting back to where they need to be? Well, first of all, guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, I always enjoy it. But, look, I, it blows my mind when you look at that lineup and exactly what happened the other night uh, in Tuesday night's game. The Red Sox scored seven runs. They had nine extra base hits. And you lose a ball game. And, I mean, it's demoralizing. And, you know, again, last night, the Red Sox, the pen blows it. And, you know, I, look, we've seen it for years. Teams can have great offenses. But if you don't have starting pitching and you don't have a pen – you're not going to win. I think back to all those Texas Rangers teams. Remember in the mid 2000s, mm-hmm. you know, with Tashir and Michael Young, and they'd drop eight runs a game and they'd lose. Then when did they go to the World Series? When they had Cliff Lee, C.J. Wilson, you know, Neftali Feliz as a uh, Feliz as a closer. So you got, you know, until they redo their pen and their rotation. And, and look, I get there's been injuries. I, I don't care who you are. Eventually, you're going to lose games because your pen's going to wear down, and that's what they've done. 
to Alex Cora is is asking his bullpen to get 15 outs a night. That I'm sorry, that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it's hard. Well, Jeff mentioned the Braves, and and you know it's obvious why it's so hard to repeat. But is there one reason that sticks out in your mind that maybe the Braves are the one team that can do it? Is there one part of their game that's really good? Well, you know, I, I think getting Iglesias in that bullpen is going to be big because now you have Mentor Iglesias and Jansen uh, to get you for them. I, look, I think at the end of the day, they're they're a really good ball club, um, and and look, they're going to make a run for sure. I, I, but I will say this, man, I, I was up in New York this past weekend, and I was so impressed with the Mets. Obviously, yes, we all know Degrom and Scherzer. If they're healthy in a postseason, are as close to Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling back in one that you can probably get. But their offense, like in this guy's, they don't strike out. I mean, mm-hmm. they wear pitchers down. I, I have not. Our starting staff with the Braves has honestly, for the most part, been intact all year. And and you see him six, seven innings. You saw Kyle Wright last night, six innings on 77 pitches. Uh, they faced that Mets team. And I'm telling you, they worked our starters, I mean, to a T. It was unbelievable. They fouled off pitches. They didn't strike out. And I, I continue to say the Braves in October last year, they did not strike out a lot. And they put the ball in play, and I think that's why they won. And I think you're seeing a Mets team do that right now. So, I look, the way the Mets are playing, the way the Dodgers are playing, it's going to be tough to repeat. How about the Dancy Swanson for the Braves? Uh, how has he taken the next step forward, you think? Exactly what I just talked about. Go look at his at-bats the other night, fouled off five, six pitches with two strikes and then shot one the other way. He is using that all fields now. And he used to be a really big pole hitter. You'd see him every once in a while go the other way. But now all of a sudden, man, he, he is wearing out that right side, you know, with authority. And he's consistently doing it. And I, I've said it. He is going to make he's going to make a lot of money this year. And I've had quite a few managers talk to me about him versus Trey Turner and say the one thing we love about Dansby is his defense. His defense is better than Turner, too. And you know, that's a pretty big compliment. I, I you, you brought that up, and it's great because it was going to be my next question for you with, with free agency looming. Uh, you know, look, Alex, Alex Anthopoulos, is, Braves in general have done a nice bit of work, you know, locking their, their core guys up. Yeah. Freddie Freeman was a bit of an, was an outlier, obviously, for different reasons. What happens with Dansby Swanson? Because you're, I mean, I'm, I'm with whoever you're talking to. If you asked me to pick a shortstop right now, and I, I'd probably go with Dansby Swanson because I do think he's better than Trey Turner defensively. But yeah. do, do the I, Braves I let him go? Do they let him walk? I, I, I just don't think you can, man. If you look at the Braves, how they're set up, they got Austin Riley now for the next 10 years. They got Matt Olson for seven more after this year. You got Ozzie Albies at second. If you can lock Dansby Swanson up, there's no team in baseball that can say for the next five, six years, we got our middle infield, our whole infield set, not even middle, the whole infield set. And the one thing, you know, when I did a TBS game a couple weeks ago, Buck Sherwalter was just talking about the Braves. Um, Braves weren't playing in the game. It was the Mets Yankees, but Buck was talking. He said, you know, one reason the Braves won it last year is because they had four infielders that played 155 games plus. Mm -hmm. And he's like, when you're getting that production and those guys post every night, it's it's a difference maker in 162 games. And I've said, this is Austin Riley and Dansby Swanson's team down here now. And I just, you know, Freddie, like you said, that was a whole we could talk about that for the next hour and probably not get anywhere. Right. But with Dansby, I think you have to bring him back at his age and how elite he is at shortstop. You can't replace that with anybody from AAA. In, in, a, in a playoff series, who starts game three for the Braves? 
You know, that's that, that's kind of what I was, you know, we were having that talk. Obviously, Max Fried goes game one, uh, you know, and then I would think you're going to have some sort of it, – it's so hard because Charlie Morton, you know, just like the other night, he pitches six innings, and he, you feel like he pitched really well, but he made three or four mistakes, and they didn't miss it. You know, and the way Spencer Strider's throwing the ball, man, it would be tough not to give Strider the ball. With that being said, we all know Charlie Morton's postseason resume, too, so that's kind of got to come in play. But it will be interesting because I think you'd see Max Reed game one, probably Kyle Wright game two, and what you do with that game three, maybe it comes down to matchups. You know, can a team hit fastballs or not, or is the team more off-speed? If the team struggles with off-speed, maybe that's when you see Charlie Morton get that start. You mentioned uh, Austin Riley, and I listened to him talk on TV one time, and he said he hunts windows. And I started thinking about really good hitters that, you know, with the Blue Jays and the American League East and, you know, how pitchers in 2022 attack good hitters. Like, it's not always fastball and fastball counts. You you, you know, you watch enough games that that's yep. not always the case. And if you're hitting the middle of the order, it almost sounded too simple when I was listening to him talk <laughs> about it. It really does. Like, it's, yeah. you know, I'm not looking so much a pitch, but I'm looking certain windows until I get two strikes. What makes him so such a good hitter? You know what? He has figured it out, and what a player he is, Clutch. But I think back the other night, he faced Rich Hill, and Rich Hill threw a fastball. So, Rich Hill, you face him, let's be honest. Majority of people are going to, you know, man, that big curveball. Mm-hmm. Well, Austin Riley hammers curveballs. And so he told me after the game, I went in thinking he's going to try to mess me up and he's going to try to throw fastballs. Well, Dad Gum, sure enough, his first two at bats, he hits a triple to right field on a fastball that he got jammed on. He stayed inside. He's so strong. And then the next time up, he fouled off two or three fastballs. And instead of thinking curveball, do this, he was saying exactly what he said. I'm thinking fastball in the inner half, and he got it and hit one over the monster. And I just I give those guys so much credit because they have a game plan, and they don't come off it. Mm-hmm. He's looking, like you said, for an area, and if it's not there, he's not going to swing at it. And majority of times when it's not there, it's a ball. And so I think he can get himself into good hitter counts like that. And, you know, he worked with Chipper Jones a lot in spring training last year, man. And I know one thing. All the years I played in different teams, the smartest hitter I ever played with was Chipper. And so the ability to pick his brain, I think, has only helped his mental aspect. Because he's got all the talent. I mean, he's strong. He's big. He's built, you know, great. But now all of a sudden, to me, he's got that, he's got that you know, mental part. Jeff, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, man. Great stuff. Thank you. Thanks, guy. Well, I'll be doing the AL. I hope I'm up and uh, hope up, up up there seeing y'all in October. We awesome. will look for you for sure, Can't man. Wait. Be well. All right, thanks, guys. See you, Jeff Francoeur, the MLB on TBS. Uh, he does a terrific job and uh, Braves analyst as well. They got the Mets and the Braves are uh, they got a series next week uh, in Atlanta, and is it a four gamer? Let me just check here because I'm looking at the schedule. It'll be something else. It is, in fact, a four-gamer Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tough Thursday. outs. Yeah, he mentioned about the, the about the Mets not, not giving away at bats. I mean, and, I never think of the Mets as offense. Well, I just balance. look at the Mets we pitching. Talk, we talk about balance of yeah. a lineup, and there's a reason why we talk about it as much as we do, is to make that pitcher on the mound do something different. Make it harder for him to get into a rhythm on the mound. Blue Jays, prime example, two pitches. How much easier would it be for me as a pitcher to find release point quicker 
in a game to not only have to do it with two pitches. Instead of going, okay, righty coming up, now it's sinker, slider. Lefty come up, it's changeup, breaking ball. It's always something different that you have to mechanically think about where my front foot lands, how am I getting it out front, how hard do I want to throw it. You know, there's always a different process, and that's why you want to add balance to your lineup. The you Mets have add. it, the, the Dodgers have it, now the, the Padres have it. Like, all these really good teams it's, have it, and they have it for a reason. It's not just the, lefty. The Braves have it. Yeah, it's not just lefty righty you want to have different guys who have different strengths and and i know you know if you look at the jays offensive numbers the jays are not a bad offensive team even though we've talked about there have been great wide swaths of this season where Bo wasn't being Bo, and i mean they're, they're they've had their ups and downs they're still a good offensive team but they're also a team that you can pitch to they're a team that is easy to game plan for. Now, if everybody's hitting, that's a tough lineup. Don't get me wrong. Nobody's saying that. But when you get to the playoffs and everybody's focus is on that team and all the eyes of the scouting department are on that team and all the cameras are on that team, you start to pick up tendencies a little easier. And you know, there's... a as I have said, there's a reason that the Jays have spent so much time and energy in the past couple of off-seasons trying to get left-handed hitting in here. There, there just is. And I guarantee you that next off-season, same damn thing. They're going to be looking for a lefty hitter to come in here, and that lefty hitter preferably play the outfield, maybe at second base. You know, I don't want to have the Bo discussion yet, but I, I would be... I would be really surprised if when next season rolls around, George Springer isn't in right field, Teoscar Hernandez isn't someplace else, and there isn't a big, and when I say big, I'm not talking physically, but an, an impactful left-handed bat or switch hitter in this lineup. And, and I think if you want to be taken serious <laughs> in the American League East consistently, Taken serious, you have to have that. Like, you you look at all the good teams, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Astros, the Yankees, who play well above 500. It's because they're hard to pitch to. Now, the Yankees are going through some things. It's injury. But when all they're healthy and they have that Rizzo, he was in the back in the lineup. But you, when you got righty, lefty, and I'm with you, you have to do something different. They're harder to pitch to. They're tougher outs. That's why all the good teams have it. And for me, the Blue Jays, you want to be taken serious. Like, I'm seriously – they can seriously win the World Series. They have to have balance in line. It is time now for Barker's Backlake Bits, that part of the show where we solicit questions from you, the listener or viewer. You can DM me at SN Jeff Blair. Travis from Saskatoon, my confidence level in the Jays making the playoffs is a five. A lot of it's going to depend on the health of Springer. That is, uh, well, yeah, a lot of it's going to depend on the health of Springer is, is, is absolutely right. I'm kind of with Kevin. I think I almost think you have to make the playoffs without George Springer and then have George Springer good to go, uh, good to go for the playoffs. Um, Blue, I think they can Blue make Jay the playoffs Stan. without George. They can't win the World Series without him. Blue Jay Stan, I love Springer. He's been my favorite player even before he was a Jay, though I understand his impact in the game. Why does the team look a shell of itself offensively when he doesn't play? I know they have a few great names here and there. For the most part, it looks tough for them. Yeah, they they are a different team. They are a different team without without George Springer and Kevin. You talk to people around the team. There is there is something about when he's healthy and can play. 
he does bring something that is hard. I just that is think hard it to puts other people in positions <laughs> that they're not used to being put into, and they have to sort of maybe a little change their game. And it's a lot to ask this time of the season. It really is. That's why you paid what you paid for him is so he could solidify that George. spot and be as good as he is Let- to sort of be set the tone of a game, and it's it's hard for other players to do it who aren't used to doing it. Yeah, and, and let's be clear. Of all the players on the Blue Jays, George Springer has had the most successful career. He has. No question. He has. He's the one guy that knows what it's like to win a World Series, to, to go through a whole year. And I don't want to get into the whole thing about how they won the World Series, but he is he's their most successful guy. And, and that's why, I mean... And, you know the 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 texter's uh, comment is absolutely is absolutely right. He 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 brings that thing that nobody else but even on with, that team can possibly bring. Even with that bring. said, you still need because uh, how many times Bo and Teoscar are going to come up with people on base? They're going to have to have a really really good September, a really good September. Yeah. Well, look, it, it all really the, everything we've talked about for the last two weeks. If Bo goes in a heater, stuff changes. No question. Stuff changes. And there have been signs. There were signs in this road trip that Bo was starting to look a little more. I hope, he, buy, like I hope he buys into that. I hope he can see that if he could take a pitch that's close to get a good, better pitch that he can drive, how much damage he can do. He's got everything you need to be a good hitter. Everything. Yeah, and I, I also wonder if uh, – I think those two home runs he hit in Baltimore, like – just the way he hit him, where he hit him, and all that. I, I think that might. That's the you know. As someone pointed out on on Twitter. I wish I knew who it was. It was a while ago. Somebody pointed out on Twitter that those are the kind of home runs you hit when things are really starting to go your no way. Question. You know that little. You're starting. That's a sign that things mm-hmm. are starting to go your way a little bit. And you know, it's not the easiest the thing case. for a boba shit. You know, who doesn't have all kinds of power? He has enough power the other way. But to be able to know as soon as it leaves the bat that it was gone, that would tell you that he's in a happy place. Uh, This from Claudio in Burlington. Squeeze it in quickly. Um, If the Jays are starting the playoffs in a wild card series, three games, Brios is as unpredictable as he is. Do you think it would make sense to give him the second game as opposed to a third and deciding game? I, I to, to me, it's just it's he pitches at home. Well, if it's on Whatever the road, works out. if it's on the road, what do you do? At home, we know with you. Yeah, well, we, either way, there it wouldn't really matter. If, I mean, if yeah, if, better if they're home, boy, if if they're on the road, on the road. Yeah, if they're on the road. Then yeah, I probably go second. I probably have them go second. A lot will depend on where Alec Manoa is. Right, a lot will depend on where Alec Manoa is. If everybody has enough rest and they don't have to pitch guys up until the last day, mm-hmm. right? So you're you're being then, able to set it the way you want to set it. I think you wait until to see how game one goes. That yes, that's actually yeah. If, if you if you, if if you, you run lost, out if you if run you out Gosman, game one, obviously you're running out Gosman. Yeah. If you win game one, then now yeah. maybe you can pitch Barrios and save Gosman for game yeah. three. Yeah. Then you've got a little bit of house there money you if you win game one. And you, hopefully your bullpen is a little rested. You can maybe so hopefully maybe the last week it's decided. The, easy, maybe they the, play the easiest enough. thing is just to no question. The easiest thing is to be the but home. You know team. it's never. You know it's never that easy. No. The easiest thing is to be the home team, and then you don't. Gosman will be pitching the last second. day of the season, and <laughs> for something, watch. Oh, you know it's well, happening. Well, they got the series. 
Mitch Hoffman. Where are they playing the finals? Where's the final series of the season? Mm -hmm. It's in Baltimore. Absolute. Odurfest. (laughs) 3.0. That is it for us today. Good job. Yeah. No Blue Jays talk tonight because there's no Blue Jays game. There's no Blue Jays talk yesterday because the game was rained out. Uh, When's our next Blue Jays talk? Sunday. Sunday. I think Blake Blake Murphy is going to be handling duties Friday. So we'll be back on, uh, well, we'll be here tomorrow because tomorrow's Friday. We'll be here with Great Blair and Barker. Great calls today, too. Way to go. Yeah, it was good calls. It was fun. A little too much agreeing with Barker, but that's okay. Well, I got yelled at from Mike. Yeah, you did. And uh, okay. we'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 Fans, Sportsnet 360, wherever you get your favorite podcast. And don't forget, if you're listening to us on a podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Have a great day.